Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're coming to you uh, live here from uh, Sugarland Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas, uh, just west, southwest of Houston, Texas. Uh, love to come to you each week and study the Bible, learn from the fellows. Um, this Man Up group is uh, kind of a, an interesting, eclectic group of guys. We've come from all types of backgrounds from uh, you know parts of the country to religious upbringing to the business backgrounds that we've had and it makes us a, an interesting uh, knit for the uh, discussions that we get to have um, so thank you so much for joining us tonight uh, myself uh, I am hosting here I am Kyle and uh, I'm basically an insurance guy and uh, we also have Robert Koshu here. He is our uh, corporate trainer, and uh, Michael Cropper, our uh, resident attorney. And uh, we're missing a couple of the fellows. I think we've got uh, Steve out playing tonight. Uh, he is uh, hopefully doing well at a at a poker table somewhere near you, wherever that is, or wherever he is. I, don't I hope know. the Lord gets his cut. <laughs> there you go. Always remember to tie. Always remember to tie. That's right. And uh, Bill, I uh, believe he, he is uh, he had to go traveling. Yeah, traveling back to Michigan. Yeah. So uh, you know, and then uh, we always have the open doors, so we never know if anybody will join us later. Um, but we'll go ahead and get right on into it and uh, get the impression from the guys of their take on this lesson. And uh, Robert, why don't you start us out, my friend? Sure. Um, this is a letter. If you, if you kind of read the background a little bit, so this is after Babylon has come in and he has basically hauled off all of the rich, well-to-do people, the, the ruling yes. class. Yes. It, it wasn't total point. depopulation of the land, but it was... Mm. All your leaders, all your young educated guys, Daniel and his three friends, you know, were taken away. Um, all, the king was killed. All of those were taken away. And there are people left. And there was one prophet in Israel, and that one prophet is basically telling him, Don't do anything. You're going to be back here. God has told me you will be back in two years. You will be coming back. And Jeremiah speaks the truth. He, he basically tells them, you don't understand. Israel has engaged in idolatry for generations now. Yes. We are going to be punished severely. When you get to Babylon, set up a house. Have children. Give your sons and daughters in marriage and take wives for your sons. Yeah. You know, live your life there. He, he doesn't buy into the popular, you know, we're God's chosen people and God's going to redeem us. And so this letter is all about, has, as you guys, I, I listened to a little bit of the lesson from Sunday. You guys talked about the naked truth. This is about the naked truth and speaking the truth. Thank you. Michael? Just want to embellish a little bit more about Robert's talking about. Robert hit on some perfect points yeah, that I want to make. Starting on, folks, Jeremiah is a prophet. The whole book of Jeremiah is about him warning Israel that they're going to be judged for their sin. Robert hit the nail on the head. He goes through, in fact, Jeremiah was appointed by God. And he was told from the beginning, you're, don't marry. You're going to be my prophet. And you're going to deliver a very unpopular message to the children of Israel and the land of Judah and the tribe of Judah. And you're going to tell them that they've been sinning. They have been doing idol worship. They have been desecrating my temples. They've been desecrating my sacrifices. 
And, and they have just really, really made me angry over many generations. This one that started with King Manasseh, I believe, under, under uh, uh, I don't believe Jehoiakim, one of the, one of the kings, but uh, they started sitting very, very, very horribly. I don't know how else to say it. But they went as so far as sometimes to, to sacrifice their sons and daughters. And one of the kings of Israel actually yes. sacrificed his son. Yes, yes. And, uh, and, and Jeremiah's total appointment duty from God was to tell Israel to stop. If not, they were going to be judged and they were going to be overtaken. They were going to be, a country was going to come with their armies and destroy the temple eventually in Jerusalem. And they didn't believe it. They just did not believe it because they had plenty of false prophets, like Robert said. They had many of those who told them over and over again, this isn't going to happen. We're the chosen people. And that's very important you keep that in mind what Robert said as well. For some reason, they believed in their mind they could not be touched because they were God's chosen people. And Jeremiah told them over and over again that they were going to be judged and many would die, many things would happen to the country, and the temple would be destroyed, the city would, the walls would be torn down, and it finally happened. A very unfavorable message. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because there were so few of them delivering that, one, only one or two. And, and back then, folks, I, I don't, can't really tell you the reason why there were so many prophets that delivered the good messages other than I guess they're on the payroll of the king. The same reason they do today. My opinion is it's the same reason they do today. They're on the payroll. Well, they're on the payroll or they want the payroll. Yeah. Power. Yeah. Yeah. It all boils down to that. Usually, it's power. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when the when the the judgment finally comes and Babylon attacks the city and lays siege to it and starves many people. And then eventually tears down the walls and conquers the city and takes away what Robert said and made a good point of saying that uh, Nebuchadnezzar chose, hand chose practically, the people who he was going to exile in Babylon. When that occurred, the people were in shock. They were just in shock because Jeremiah had been telling them and they did not choose to believe him. So now they were not only in shock, they are in fear. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us? And the exiles who were in Babylon were the most fearful. And our, our, the, uh, the right of our lesson, and uh, by the way, we're still in Connect 360, folks, Rescue and Redemption. Um, Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem for whatever reason. And I believe King Zedekiah encourages them, and he writes a letter to those who were in exile in Babylon to encourage them that God is with them. They honestly believe, many of them believe, that they had to be in Israel or Judah and, in fact, in the holy city to worship God properly. They did not think God would be with them if they were out of the city or out of the country. Recently, uh, they, um, forgive me for forgetting the name, but he asked to be able to take dirt back yes, from yeah, the Haman. holy area. Damon. Thank you. Right, Amen. Right, yeah. The, uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it was that same belief. Yes. You know that. You know he wanted dirt to be able to symbolize or to be able to set up his memorial or his you know altar or whatever. Right. On the dirt from the promised whatever. That's correct. From this holy area where this this country had a god that was real. Right. And he wanted to take back dirt so he could kneel on it when he prayed to the God of Israel. Exactly, right. exactly. And so right. in that same premise, you know, that they're thinking, well, we're not in Israel. We can't pray anymore. Oh my God, our God has left us. Yes. You yeah. know, or we have left the realm of our God, I guess is yeah. probably more of the thinking. Is that would have been the thinking We've been then. exiled, yeah. and so we have left the realm. And, he, and he, he'll never be with us again, mate. Who knows? Right. 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 You know, and especially being delivered that message of you got 70 years here. Get, yeah. get comfortable. Well, right. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, um, how when, old am I today? Um, so you're looking at it and going, okay, well, my dad lived to be, okay, and uh, 70 years from now, hmm, I don't think I'm going to make it out of here. 
That's the point. You know, exactly. And so (laughs) what you said of, I'm not going to get back to the promised land, you know. The next generation. Well, isn't it the third generation almost? And and this, this particular exile, this actually, all these centuries, I mean, from the Exodus moving forward, I mean, remember they left Egypt, got down to Mount Sinai, Moses disappeared, what's the first thing they did? Built an idol. Yeah. They go into the they go into the promised land. What do they do? Set up temple to Baal. Yes. <laughs> you know, they have kings. You know, David does okay, but sounds like he tolerated some of the high places. Solomon, he starts building them left and right because he's got to appease all the wives. Yeah. And then it just goes downhill from there. So the, the, the Babylonian exile was the thing that actually broke Israel of idolatry. Well, he had to do it. Oh, he the did. Lord had no yeah. choice. Yeah, because they were not going to listen to him. They, they obviously weren't going to. You're totally right about that. Plenty <laughs> of, uh, plenty of reasons and, and times that they've shown they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we get too far, too too much further in, why don't uh, Robert, you uh, yeah. going to read us the scripture here for right. us, brother? We're in Jeremiah twenty nine one through fourteen. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken from into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elash, son of Shepan, and Gemariah, son of Hikai, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to keep Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply them and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, Only when Babylon's seventy years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me and you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So something that hit me that I, I, you know, obviously I read it before, but it never struck me. Jeremiah was still in Jerusalem. Yes. Yes. I, I, I he, had not caught that he, until you read it a few he, seconds he, ago. He, he, he was not deemed worthy to be hauled off to Babylon. It was very, very much the... they Babylon's theory of doing this was, if the people were rebelling, it's not the rabble that we worry about. It's the leadership class. Mm-hmm. So we grab the leaders, you know, the mayor of every town and their family... The city council, it would be like if, if somebody decided to exile us, they would come through and they would grab the principal of every school, the school board, the superintendent, the city councilmen and their families, the mayor, the Fort Bend County officials, all of them, and all of us that just live in houses and have no leadership in the county, we'd all be left. <laughs> because if you remember, and this plays into the story of Daniel, if you remember Daniel, they literally encultured them into Babylon. They gave them new names that were actually plays on their Hebrew names, but reporting to the gods of Babylon. They made them eat off the king's table because they were going to be raised to rule these exiles. You know, eventually we're going to send them all back and we'll repopulate the land with the rulers, but they're going to be rulers who have been cultured in Babylon. We ain't got to worry about this anymore. (laughs) 
Well, God knew eventually, and, and the result of all this, Robert, and, and most of you, if you've read Jeremiah, and you've read and heard the story of Daniel, and heard uh, uh, Mad Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you will learn that, that the king leans toward trusting and believing in God by the end of their 70 years mm -hmm. of they are there, and he sends them back. He sends the people of Israel back to build, rebuild the temple and sends all the gold and many, yeah, many, a, many... In Nehemiah and uh, Ezra. Yes. Oh, we, get the, we get the... Yes, old. they come back from Babylon. There are some just great books and, and, and uh, uh, letter writers in the Bible that came back from Babylon. And of course, Daniel is... Uh, the, the book of Daniel you're referring to is written and explains a lot of this, but... What I find, what I saw interesting here is that if, if, if folks, you go back to Jeremiah 24, the Lord handpicks who he's going to send to Babylon. He says in uh, verse 5, 24, 5, he says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, and he gives the example of a basket of good figs and a basket of bad, bad figs. And he says, Like the good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good. The Lord says, and he's speaking through Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is stating this, that he sent certain people to be in Babylon to be safe. He intended their safety. And for I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them, not pluck them up. Then on the others that do not, that the Lord does not send to Babylon to protect, he says, then will I give them a heart to know me. Oh, pardon me. Uh, this is still with the good ones he's protecting. Then will I give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Then he speaks about the bad figs or the ones that stay around. And he says, if you stay around Jerusalem, if you stay in the city or you run and fight King Nebuchadnezzar, I cannot protect you and you will have harm done to you. So he says, as the bad figs which cannot be eaten, they are so bad. Surely, thus says the Lord, so will I give up Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his princes, and the resident of Jerusalem who remain in the land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt, and I will deliver them to trouble into all the kingdoms of the earth for their harm to be a reproach and a byword, a taunt, and a curse in all places where I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence among those who stay till they are consumed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. Now, I read all that, and I'm saying all this to say this. Somehow or another, he permitted the false prophets, some of the false prophets, to go to Babylon. And that I don't understand other than we don't sometimes know the mystery of the Lord. So he handpicked who he sent, or, or, or practically handpicked who he sent there to protect, left the ones behind who were going to be destroyed by famine and pestilence and whatever, mm -hmm. but yet he allowed some of the false prophets, like you said, to go to Babylon as exiles. But I mean, it's the same thing today, that there's always a voice from the other side. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's what they were, the voice from the other side. It's, it's just trying to get the, the fear rattled or... or or whatever you know right. it's uh, again a lot of it's jockeying for position and you know if if a prophet you know is accepted and then he can be deemed a holy person but his whole world changes that in that moment yeah boom man i got people handing me money you know they're they're you know invite me over for dinner tonight man i'm the big man in the crowd now yeah. because everybody believes me you know and so, and you're you know, right. It wasn't uncommon to give a gift to somebody to give you the word of God, right? Well, and, you know. and I, I and I think this gets to the crux. This gets really to the crux of this lesson. Is and, and he references two prior passages, Jeremiah seven twenty eight, yeah. which is so you shall say to them, "This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction." Truth has perished and been cut off from their mouth. And then Jeremiah 9, 5. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They read themselves to commit inquiry. Yeah. And both those are from, that's the New King James Version. 
Um, but he, he was living in a world where real truth was marginalized. And people would say what they wanted to hear. You would go to the king and you would tell him what they wanted to hear. Sort of like today. Exactly like well, today, it, but okay. But, but it, it, it is in the sense that, and, and I'll leave all the greater political whatever out of this, but, but let's go so far even to our, to our workplaces. How many of you have been in a workplace where you had all the boss and all the yes-men surrounding the boss? Mm-hmm. And the boss says, we ought to do this. John, what do you think? That's a great idea, boss. Jim, what do you think? Oh, I think we ought to do it this way and let's move forward with it today. Yeah. Bob? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think we ought to do it this way. Yes. You know, you get all the yes-men, and if you're the odd man out there, you've got a problem. One of, the, right. one of the little tricks I actually do when I run projects at work, I actually pick a friend, if I have somebody I know on this project that I've known for a long time, I always tell them, I said, you have a job. You got something for me to do? Absolutely I do. He said, what's that? Disagree with everything we're, I'm saying. <laughs> and he's like, What? <laughs> Yeah. I said, even if you agree with me, I want you to take the opposite stance. And he's like, why? I said, because it does two things. Number one, it keeps me honest. Number two, there, there is something called groupthink that occurs where we all start thinking the same thing. And that's one of the radicalness of Jesus was he challenged the groupthink of the Hebrew religion at that time. And it keeps groupthink from sitting in because there's always somebody doing dissension of it. But it's it's a little project trick, and it's just you know it drives people crazy when you do it. But <laughs> you know. no, but you know what? In that in that adversity, it can bring to light something nobody thought about. No, and, and it does. More. It sometimes it brings out something. Like, I didn't think of that. Okay, hang on a minute. Let's, let's regroup. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, but and and I think that was. Part of God's plan for Jeremiah was he was the prophet, obviously, who was... Obviously, he started out as the prophet. What was you because Babylon is fixing to come and wipe you out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know? he's had to deliver, deliver a few really tough messages throughout his uh, very, very career, very. if you will. You know, and one of the things that I, I thought about is, you know, when... Uh, one of the questions that the, the author did is, uh, why were the Jewish exiles more responsive to the false prophets than they were to Jeremiah? What's well, easy to believe in quick hope. It's what you wanted to well, hear. It's, it's quick hope. <laughs> yeah. It's quick hope. You know, so, you know, when you're uprooted and you're stripped from your home without your, you know, want, if you will, you know, there's always fear. You know, we've been flooded. You know, yeah, y'all have been. Uh, when you know your home is uprooted, messed up, whatever, even if you don't have to leave your home, when you have your home in disarray like that, well, these people had their home stripped from them. Yes. You know, and so you're sitting in exile. They're sitting in tents. They're, they're sitting around waiting on the day to go home. Well, hey, you know what? In two years, nine hours, and 53 minutes, the Lord is going to come screaming through those clouds and we're all going home today. There's false prophets everywhere. It's easy to believe in that. You know, the thing that God, you know, tells us is that, you know, no one knows the time that I am coming back. So it's in that same vein of today. You know, set down roots. Enjoy where you're at. You may be here for a minute or 70 years or longer. You know, whatever. That, you know, it's easier to believe that false quick fix than the hard truth, especially when God is, you know, breathing it through Jeremiah. Well, God... Jeremiah, the past book, folks, if you ever take time to read it, he gives a lot of examples of how Israel is going to fall. I mean, just many, many, many examples. 
And uh, we will come back in just a few minutes and talk a little further on that. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. Welcome back to the Man Up Podcast. We are uh, doing a study tonight on Jeremiah uh, 29, 1 through 14. Uh, Mike, you were just talking about something. Getting on back to it. Yeah, the, the, uh, Jeremiah gave many, many detailed examples of how the Lord was going to ju- judge Israel. And, and many times, uh, folks, you tend to believe the more detailed responses or situations or examples. Um, Again, Kyle and Robert have spoke about the fact that we like to hear certain things and we tend to believe certain things that fit what we want. I mean, that's just our, our nature, our human nature. But, uh, and, and we certainly would not have wanted to hear that our city of Jerusalem, where we were living, was going to be destroyed and our temple was going to be destroyed and the walls were going to be torn down and everything. Um, so there were plenty of false prophets that said this wasn't going to happen. It couldn't happen. Um, the when they when it did occur and the people were taken into exile and taken to Babylon, um, God again sent an encouraging letter because the people were so afraid of what their future was. Now they realized Jeremiah was truthful; he had been right with them. Well, I, I say they did, but again, we have a prophet, false prophet in Babylon, at least one that Robert mentions. Her name, I think Hananiah, right? Hananiah. Said, yeah. oh no, yeah. this isn't, this isn't going to last long. God's going to come intercede like he always does, and he's going to take us back home. And Jeremiah said, no, this is not going to happen. Do not believe a lie. And Jeremiah went into specific details why they should believe what he's saying. And and he was it was his way of encouraging and God's way of encouraging and uh, Robert mentioned this as well. He said, uh, the Lord specifically told Jeremiah to tell the people in the letter, build houses, number one. Live in those houses. It's going to be 70 years, not two <coughs> years or three years or four years. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Take wives. Have sons and daughters. Have your sons and daughters marry. Have them bear sons and daughters, your grandchildren, in other words. Multiply there and do not decrease. Do not look for the future return to make your joy and put your hope in. Mm-hmm. Live for the present right now. Yeah. And at the end of the 70 years, he says, I will, I will reveal myself to you when the time has come, and you will seek me again. You will seek me with all your heart. He says, for surely, God says through Jeremiah, for surely I know your plans that I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for your harm, plans to give you a future with hope and he specifically says I did not send those diviners and those false prophets to mislead you well thank you for bringing up uh, verse 11 there you know one of the more well known ones you know for surely I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans for your welfare not for your harm to give you a future with hope you know, it's a, a very well-known one. Um, you know, uh, but that whole little part there, um, I, I had some thoughts there that, you know, after, all right, so going back to 10, only when Babylon 70 years are completed uh, will I visit you. 
I will fulfill you, uh, fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And for surely I know uh, the plans I have for you. Uh, then he carries on in 12. Uh, then you will call upon me and come uh, pray to me. I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and you will store your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places I have driven you from, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place uh, from which I have sent you into the exile. And so it got me into thinking that, you know, as far as exile, you know, exile could mean the, the trials and tribulations that we endure here on earth in our, you know, human, uh, human lives. The place that we left or exiled from um, is a place of total peace and harmony in this world. You know, um, the trials that we endure are a test of our strength, uh, our heart for God. You know, it's, it's much like a boat that, you know, you, you build a boat and then you got to do what? You got to stick it in the water. You got to test its seaworthiness. You got to see if it will hold up. Okay, well, it, it holds water or holds out water and it floats. Well, now let's get out on the open sea and see if it'll take what that has to offer, you know, and see whatever the ocean will throw at it. And, you know, so we're, we're kind of exiled to, to test our heart for God and to make sure that we have it uh, trained with our whole heart towards Him. Absolutely. And, and I. I uh, folks, just keep in mind, I, I, I hear people so often say, and I, I'm thinking about retiring in about a year, year and a half, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait till I retire. No, that's not what the Word of God just told us. It says, enjoy your day today. <laughs> Live your day to serve the Lord with all your heart and enjoy, even if you're in a problem area, even if you're in trouble, even if you have a sickness or an illness, Seek the good in what you're in at the present moment because you may not have tomorrow. There is no promise of tomorrow. And, and I think it's, it's accept what God's plans are is the other part of it. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's very important. It, I, I, yeah. I think that's something we as men practically excel at is, you know, I'm, I'm a planner. I'm the guy everybody can judge because... I do spreadsheets for my family vacations to plan the budget. You know, I'm a planner. What can I say? But, but, but we like to do that. That's just men. You know, we have to have our plan. You know, the old adage of plan your work, work your plan, you know, kind of thing. And that the heart, one of the hardest things we have to do is to accept that God's plan is there for us. And no matter what great grandiose plans, because I'm kind of like you, Mike, I'm at max 13 years from retiring, hopefully shooting for about seven to eight years from now. And so we are making plans. You know, but recognize that those plans may not come to fruition. You know, and we have to do whatever God wants us to do. In the moment, and I think you made a good point, in the moment we're in right now. What does God want us to do right now? You know, I think that's one of the most important parts that we can get out of Jeremiah, is that, you know, I know the plans I have made for you. You know, doesn't say I don't know. I I know the plans you have made for yourself. No, no, no. That's right. But it's also plans for your welfare, not for your harm. Yeah, you know, very clear about uh, that. Yeah. But again, we know, you know, we've said it time and time again that, you know, the trials and tribulations are what build and grow us, you know, that make us enjoy the time of welfare and abundance that much more. Yeah. You know, um, you know, growing up in life myself, uh, you know, we, we had money. My, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um you know, he, he had a, a, a knack, an innate ability to make a ton of money. But then he was an alcoholic. 
And so he had a real innate ability to get really drunk and make very stupid decisions, which in turn lost a whole lot of money. So in my childhood growing up, we went from both extremes. You know, from from the abundance and being on food stamps and going to the next city to, you know, use them so that no one knew us. You know, so I, I know both sides of it and I can appreciate both sides of it and not knowing why I was there while I was there. But now that I'm older, you can look back at those experiences and say, oh, well, see, it's because of what the business I'm in now. Yeah. You know, that it translates that experience as awful a visit as it was back then as a child. Push it forward 30-something years, and I'm using that compassion for others because of my day work. You know, and it's interesting why we go through those trials and tribulations, whether we know why we're there, whether we understand that plan of what God's intertwining in the background of our lives. Sometimes you just got to look that, well, this trial isn't going to last forever. It just feels like it at the time. Well, I I met a guy today that, uh, I, I met a gentleman today that, you know, his statement was that, you know, he was under... I'm forgetting how he said it exactly, but basically he was in a storm. And he's like, well, what's one year of a storm? You know, so his vision was at the end of the year, his storm is going to end. But that was his hope. It was just a great outlook. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we talked about God, you know, in, in that meeting. And, and, you know, but it was a really neat thought that he saw his trial as an end point. Whether it ended at January one, or it ended at the end of whenever his trials began, or whether it didn't or doesn't, but it was the outlook of the guy. He was enjoying the moment while he was there, even though it sucks. And and, and I think that gets us to something. Y'all started the lesson with it on Sunday, based on what I heard. But I I think it's worthy of a little discussion here about what things make us anxious about the future that was one of the questions the author put in here absolutely you know was one of the what and and what does and y'all had the 10 the top 10 list that y'all put together rob daniels found that and it was but, the, but before we go that let me yep. say this real quick uh, folks the, the reason also robert is bringing up our lesson is called Seek and Find God's Good Plan. And one of the main questions that the author of this lesson says, what are your fears about the future? Right? And Robert, so Robert says, what did you say again? What makes us uncomfortable for the future? Yeah, what makes us anxious? anxious. What makes us anxious, which yes. is the fear. Okay. Oh, this was a Chapman University study? Oh, wow, Okay. Okay. Uh, I think thing, I just found the. I think the I just found from, the. Oh God, the techie boy over here, Robert. Yeah. Uh, folks, you know you had to put up with him, you know, just like we do. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Chapman. I know Chapman University. That's so, why I was kind well, of folks, amazed. Uh, we, we were asked what fears we fear, and I was in, I was in class. Robert and Kyle were not able to be there, but they listened to the lesson. Uh, the five things that the class members responded. What do we fear right now? And and we answered five questions. We said finances, of course, you, money, right? Will you have enough money? Do you have enough money? Will you need to? Will you need more money than you'll have when you retire? Public speaking. Bill is a big thing on public speaking. He's always said in the class that people fear standing up in public and speaking. You know the uh, funny thing about that one with our group, though. We have a DJ, comedian, writer. We have an attorney, a public trainer, and a guy that's an insurance agent that stands in a in a room. There's not a lot of fear of speaking, uh, you know, group speaking yeah, that, for this that, one. That's something I've never had. And and so I, I actually found, I'm guessing this is the same one because it sounds well, like the one he found. Hang on now. Go ahead. Okay, three more, three more, and, and we should have been more if we kept going. Uh, the other three things that we listed and said were death, what we, what do we fear? The unknown. Death, right, the unknown, loneliness, and height, fear of height. 
Okay, then uh, the guy who was presenting the lesson presented these ten things that I think Robert says he has found, which may be better written than what I've got here. So, Robert, t tell yeah, us what the, what the so ten it, things it are. It was a study conducted by Chapman University, and the number one fear was corrupt government officials. Right. American right. two, American Health Care Act yeah. or Trump Care. Uh, number three, pollutions of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Uh, number four, pollution of drinking water not having enough money for the future, high medical bills, that the U.S. will be involved in another world war, global warming and climate change, North Korea using their nuclear weapons, and then air pollution. And I can honestly say, me personally, um, two out of these, um, not having enough money for the future, and it's not as much a fear for me, but it's a... it's it, It's just... Ha having to deal with my elderly parent, with my mom, and seeing how she neglected to save when she needed to save, it is a concern. And then the high medical bills, but both of those, part of the reason those are a fear compared to the others for me, I can control those to some extent. Yeah. You know, I can make sure I have the right insurance. I can try, knock on wood, to take care of myself somewhat now to try to alleviate health things later in the future. All the other stuff, which I find kind of funny that people are scared of them, is that it's nothing I can control. Why do I worry about that? You know, it, fear I can't control, and Mike, you and I were talking about this before we got started. Sure. I, my biggest fear after the last several years, um, last year, or last February, March time frame, I had to move my mom out of her house and into an uh, independent living facility. My father-in-law has been in an assisted living facility since 2015, mm -hmm. and watching the two of them degenerate, not as much physically, but as mentally, yes. has become my biggest fear. And, and that's recently. I'm talking just over the past couple of years. I had never even considered that before, and now that's become a fear for me. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those, I guess... One of the differences is, I'm thinking as I read through that list and heard our list, our list was much more practical. It was things, yeah. you, could, it was things you could control. It was things you could have some influence over. All this other stuff, I, I, I think one of the real tests of men of faith is understanding that there are things you don't control in life. Mm -hmm. And accepting that those things are those things and you just deal with the things you can deal with and try to, you know, when, when you talk of death, I always think of Carrie Coo. Carrie talks about, I think it's his mother um, that makes the statement. She's not afraid to die, but the process worries her a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and I, I find that kind of a funny thing. No, I've heard that so many times. If the Lord takes me, do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in a very quick way. Yeah, let me fall asleep and go and be gone, and that's you know, correct. I'm good with that. And not suffer for a year. Yes. Yeah, many people yeah. share that that same anxiety. To yeah. put in your words, yeah, that's correct. You know, looking at that uh, list of fears, you know, and kind of going along your train of thought, that you know, I'm looking at number one, corrupt government officials. Well, we've got that, buddy. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> plenty of that. Um, Health care kind of goes along in there. Uh, you know, of course, medical bills falls right in the same slot. War uh, and North Korea using nuclear weapons. All of those, to me, kind of wrap up in the one statement of pray for your government officials. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, we, we say it all the time. We have a prayer list here at our church. That if you grab it, one of the things it says is, you know, pray for our pastor, pray for our, you know, elected officials or, you know, future elected officials or certainly coming up to an election thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get out and vote people, you know, whichever way, at least have your voice heard. If you don't vote, you don't get to gripe about it when it doesn't go your way. You know, at least my philosophy, you know, but it's, it's praying for those government officials and everything that... You know, they're the ones that are going to control, what, five of those things on that list? And then you mm -hmm. can tie in a couple, the pollution in the oceans, drinking water, and the air pollution. Well, those all kind of tie back in. 
global warming, I think, is just a myth upon a bunch of stuff, but that's my own personal. If yeah. you uh, if you disagree with that, send Robert an email. I'm sure he wants to know. I'll send Bill an email. That's right. Send Bill, Bill an email. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, it's, uh, Rob also brought up, or the, the author brought up an interesting one, that the, the old fable. You know, the naked truth, we've mentioned that uh, phrase a few times, and I, I, I think because we have said it so many times tonight that it is worthwhile to read this little paragraph here. It says, uh, according to an old fable, truth went swimming one day. While truth was in the water, falsehood stole truth's clothing and left its own clothing behind. However, truth refused to wear the clothes of deceit when it came out of the water. From that ancient fable comes the modern day phrase, the naked truth. You know, I, I just think that's really interesting. I had never heard that actually. I, I had not either, and it's, uh, you know, if nothing else, it's, it's a, a wonderful way to think of it, you know, um, of why we say that. You know, but, you know, it, it comes down to being able to deliver that naked truth and manning up for it. But, uh, well, folks, we're winding down this afternoon or evening, I guess, now. Um, we'll go around the uh, room real quick and uh, give some final thoughts. Uh, Robert, why don't you? Yeah. Um, one of the challenges all leaders have is be able to speak the truth no matter what. And, and I think that not only morally but biblically, we're, we're required to speak the truth. You know, it's painful. You know, I, I took a job a year ago. I've had to look at my new bosses, and I'm going to use a very colloquial phrase, nobody get mad at them, at me. I had to look at my bosses and say, frankly, our training's crap. <laughs> you know, and, and that's not the thing to say when you've been in a job one year, one month. You look at your boss and say, okay, the training program that you hired me to come into... It's crap. <laughs> and we got lots of things we need, especially because she wrote a lot. <laughs> you know, and, and it's hard to do that, though. You know, and yeah, you can do it maybe more sensitively and whatever, but we have to speak the truth. And, and the truth is not popular. <laughs> the no. truth is not convenient. But and people don't really want to hear the truth, even when they tell you they want to hear the truth. And right? oh, e oh, yes, yes, even very much when they say so. Yeah. But I think above all, his believers in Christ, we are called to speak the truth, and especially God's truth, to the world. I think that is what we are called to do, almost more than anything else we're called to do as Christians, is speak the truth. Well, not conform to that pressure. Yes, you know, the, the false the false prophets conform to, you know, what people wanted to hear. You know, um, you know, my take on it um, is try and find the the silver lining today, tomorrow. You know what? It's going to rain for the next few days. You better find a silver lining on that rain cloud. Because it's going to follow you, you know. But the rain will dry up eventually. It, it will go away. We will have another pretty day. It will be hot and steamy and the mosquitoes as big as the size of Texas. But we are the state of Texas, so we have everything bigger here. Um, you know, to enjoy yourself, to know that God has something in store for your greatness. And I, I, I think about that all the time for myself. You know, I've spent a lot of years kind of bouncing around and trying to find the thing that makes me happy. You know, one of the, the things uh, outside of my family, of course, is, uh, you know, being able to come here and study with a, a great group and family, my church family outside of, of just man up here. Um, you know, we, we really do have a, a great group that enjoys studying about God and 
sharing and teaching and I don't know, just a great thing. And so to be able to find that and to know that you can do that every day. Yeah. You know, and, and come to God even in your exile, while you're in trials and tribulations, continue to come. Mike, your thoughts and pray us out. Alrighty. Uh, real simple folks. What makes you anxious about the future? Can you think of a promise in God's Word that addresses those anxieties? And folks, I'm going to end up with that. That is a note from the author of our lesson. Uh, think of a scripture. Think of a time uh, when God has blessed you. And, and enjoy the moment, even if you're ill. Uh, folks, thank the Lord that you have life and you're going to have the opportunity to heal, if nothing more. And now... Join us for a moment, folks, as we pray out. And uh, thank you again for joining us tonight. Uh, where, where can they find us, Kyle? Do you, Paul? That's Roberts. Robert. We are at www.manofspiritualoasis. We are also at on Facebook at Man of Spiritual Oasis Sugarland and Man of Spiritual Oasis on Twitter. And I'm back on Twitter after a brief respite. I've been taking care of some things in my professional life for a little bit and so I've been kind of sideways a little bit but I'm back on we're back on the Twitterverse alright thank you Robert <laughs> uh, Father we are so glad to be here tonight uh, we're glad to discuss your word and Father we look at it in light as you being our our Heavenly Father is who you are and the one who cares about us cares about our future our present our children our grandchildren and everything about us Lord we are the apple of your eye because you chose us to be that. You sent your son to die for our sins, even when we were sinful, Lord, because you loved us so much. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, begotten son, that whosoever believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We were so grateful that you sent Jesus to do that for us. Now go with us, go with us tonight. Bless everyone who's listening, Lord. Bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, guys and girls, uh, if we have any of those ladies out there tuning in, uh, we, uh, we hope you enjoyed tonight's podcast. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Man Up. You want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.